Hi, welcome to the Lakeland Emergency Medicine Podcast. Today I've got Robert Nolan here, and we're going to dive into the use of ultrasound in patients with presumed kidney stone. Thank you for coming to the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. So right off the bat, um, do you have a standard workup you do for all your patients with presumed stone, or does it vary? It varies tremendously based on the patient population. A lot of this depends on what your pretest probability is and your concern for what other disease processes might go on. So if I have a young 27-year-old male who has a history of kidney stones that comes in with acute onset of flank pain, tells me it's just like his last kidney stone that he had last year, we do maybe a rapid dip test and he's got hematuria, that's a kidney stone to me if I don't have any other qualifying uh, findings that would tell me something else. Now juxtapose that to the 90-year-old that comes in with maybe some vague flank pain that's been there for a day, day and a half. It's kind of gradual and onset. Yeah, kidney stone certainly in my differential, but in somebody of that age, so is an aortic dissection, say is some sort of colonic process or something else. So those are the type of folks that I'm going to do uh, a broader workup on to get more diagnostic information back. Uh, the ultrasound is fabulous in looking at the kidney, letting me know is there hydronephrosis, uh, but it, what it doesn't sometimes do is give me that other information that I'm looking for uh, for other diagnostic uh, input you know, that the CT scan gives you. So I really kind of balance that back and forth between those. And the big question comes up is what do I do with somebody that I think has a stone, but they have no history of it? And usually for those folks, I will do a CT scan the first time through just to show the size of the stone, give me an idea of whether or not it's going to be five millimeters or less, the likelihood of passing it. Uh, and then also kind of get an idea, is there any other sort of uh, differential that I need to consider in that? You know, if it's on the right side, am I looking at an appy or something else along that line? So that's how I kind of look at those. Are you a high-risk person that's had stones before? I go to ultrasound on that. Are you somebody that has a lot of other comorbidities or there's a lot of other things in my differential diagnosis? I might use CT for something like that. Um, if you're a first-time stone maker, then probably what you'll do is you'll get a, a CT from me at the first time to see the size of the stone, give me a better idea for follow-up. But then after that, if I've confirmed you've had a stone, then I'm going to follow you up with ultrasounds. Okay, so in just to summarize what you're saying so I, I'm clear, your first-time presentation, you're likely to get a CT scan. After that, if they've been proven that they can make, they've, you know, they've had kidney stones before, you're using basically their pretest probability, and you're using ultrasound if you're pretty convinced that this is a stone. If you're having some diagnostic uncertainty about other possibilities, which would increase with age, and if their story is not consistent, you might lean more onto CT scan. Exactly, correct? exactly. Okay, so I've got a guy. He's doing the kidney stone dance. He had a stone two years ago. He's a young guy. You're not worried about dissection. I go ahead and order my ultrasound. What is it going to tell me? There's two things that you're looking for, and in some ways are diametrically different in terms of what you're going to do with the information. So on the one hand, if you get your ultrasound and it comes back and they've got mild to moderate hydronephrosis, that gives you a great assurance that probably you have a stone in there that's impacted. Um, and most mild to moderate hydros, we don't do much with. We send them out. We have urology follow them up, especially if they have hematuria in there. Great. Your diagnosis is nailed. Um, Compare that to somebody that then you do the ultrasound on and they don't have hydro. On the one hand, you're happy with that because it's showing that whatever stone is in there is probably small enough. It's going to pass. It's not causing any blockage of the urine, but it doesn't give you necessarily that reassurance that that pain is coming from a stone because usually large enough stones will cause a little bit of dilation. So it's on the diagnostic side, it's reassuring, but in terms of the clinical outcomes, maybe not a lot different, but it's better not to have hydro because you know you probably have a smaller stone. 
So you're telling me I need to use my brain more when I order an ultrasound. You got it. You got to think a little bit about what's going on. So why would I ever use an ultrasound? Why not always get a CT scan? It's well, easier. <laughs> you know, really, we've been pushing quite a bit in the literature now to try to reduce the amount of radiation that we're exposing to patients. And there's been a couple of research papers that came out, one that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2014 that looked at the low-dose protocol radiation versus our regular uh, CT scan with the STONE protocol. And if you remember, the STONE protocol CTs take much smaller slices because they want to catch those one and two and three millimeter stones increases your dosage of radiation. Uh, what this study looked at is if we reduce the dose and the number of slices, was your accuracy as good? And they were about 80 to 90% accurate in that. Now, the downside is you run the risk of missing those small stones. Same sort of thing that when you do your ultrasound and you don't see the hydro, you're presuming that there's a small you know, stone that's just not being picked up. So you could do that option of doing the low-dose radiation. But I guess my argument is if you're not really worried about that big of a stone, then why not go with the ultrasound that has no radiation at all? And if a stone's large enough to cause an obstruction, you're going to see the hydro. Right, right. Well, no, I, I agree. Um, now, just quick, one last question. When do you use your point of care bedside ultrasound versus ordering the formal? So for the most part, I will try to go with my point of care almost every single time. There was a great little study that uh, was published in uh, Annals of Emergency Medicine in 2014 that compared the use of bedside ultrasound by ER docs versus an official radiology one. And we did very well. We were, again, in the upper 80 90%. So it's not a diagnostic test that's very difficult for us to very quickly do on a patient. Uh, if you've got somebody that you think, especially a repeat stone maker, is in here, they're writhing around, you can get them calmed down with some pain medications, and you slap that ultrasound on, and you see some mild hydro, boom, you're done. You've saved yourself a tremendous amount of time in terms of sending them down for a formal ultrasound. Uh, I will freely admit, sometimes I am so busy in a hectic emergency department that it's one that I want officially documented. Those I might send down for a formal ultrasound, uh, especially if it's somebody who might have had some complications in the past. Maybe they had a stent for a while that's been pulled, and I need something that uh, is officially read that I can send off to my urologist. I might consider doing that. But for the most part, I'll do bedside ultrasounds on almost all these folks. Well, thank you, Rob, for joining the program. This concludes our Lakeland Emergency Medicine Podcast.